0: Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many of you are thankful for his presence? Hallelujah. I'm glad that we worship with our hearts, that we worship in this genuine fashion so much so that it summons the presence of God. And God said, i got to see what's going on now. I hear my name being called. I hear my people. I feel your authentic worship. I want to come down and be a part of that. I want to be in the midst of that. I don't know. Don't ever take this for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And today, I especially won't take it for granted. Because I'm gonna use this feeling, this experience, whatever you wanna call it here that's happening. Uh, kind of in my message, because this message today for me is kind of a tough one. I'm I'm you may think I do, but I, I have a hard time giving tough messages. <clears throat> you know, I contrary to what you might think, I don't really like conflict. Uh, Stiff talks cause me anxiety. You know, I know on the outside, I've heard it too many times, so I know on the outside, I'm one of those people that looks like, you know, cool, calm, collective all the time. You know, but in but inside, I'm like that duck Regina talks about, but under, under the surface, you know, his feet are paddling double time. <laughs> uh, up top, he's looking cool, but under the surface, like, ah! You know, right? So I have those, that just reminded me of Rachel when I did that. <laughs> but I have those moments, and and so, the, the message that I believe God gave me today is one of those where I'm like, really, God? This is for a pastor. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but there's some realities that are still setting in, in waves. And so I appreciate him showing up the way he did this morning. I appreciate us being able to um, realize the beauty of being in his presence. And I believe that each and every one of you here today not only wants to be in his presence now, but you want to be in his presence for eternity. Right? I mean, I'm going to assume that. If you got some crazy motive and you have nothing better to do on Sundays than to come to an apostolic church where we, we believe in worshiping God and spirit and the truth, right? Where we are, we are on an absolute mission to make it to heaven. If you, if you kind of twist it, and you here, and that's not your agenda. Don't tell me, right? <laughs> right. I'm going to assume that you want to make it to heaven. I'm going to assume that you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I'm going to assume that. So don't tell me anything different. That's not your. That's not your, where you headed. And so today, I want to talk to you. Can just put my my title slide up a little bit uh, ahead of time here? But I want to talk to you about this uncomfortable topic of accountability. And I think you'll realize where the heaven's sake comes in. I had a hard time coming up with a title. Because I I had a title that I understood, but I didn't think any of you would understand. So I I, kind of shifted and and went to something more understandable. But overall, I'm going to talk to you today about our responsibility as the body to call one another up. And by calling one another up, I mean this accountability thing right, calling you up to a better place, you know, in, in in our 2022 vernacular, you might say calling you out, and we don't like to be called out, and sometimes, in fact, a lot of times we call people out, we don't really have a good motive, so that's not what I'm talking about there, so I kind of, again, I was playing around with that, you know, sometimes calling you out is just getting you told, I'm gonna tell you about yourself, you know, that, that kind of thing, that's not what I'm talking about today, right? I'm talking about when we deal with one another with a genuine heart, when we deal with each other for the good, for calling you up to a better and a healthier place in Christ and how, you know, it is the body's responsibility uh, to help in that process. And so keep that in mind that the point here is to help us all grow. And the reason I say that I appreciate God showing the way he did today is because we just got a taste of what it's like to be in God's presence. A tiny taste. What do you think it's going to be like to see him face to face? What do you think it's going to be like to be in his presence on the other side? What do you think that experience is going to be like, right? To, to literally, right now we imagine, I don't know about you, but I'm worshiped by picture Jesus. You know, I know it's a wrong depiction, but I can't help but get the blonde, blue-eyed Jesus that we've kind of been brainwashed with. Out of my, you know, we know Jesus was probably most likely not blonde haired and blue-eyed, not how the people of that area look. But you know, we have this imagery, and 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 I, I, I sometimes try to imagine myself like him, literally standing before me and me bowing in his presence. But people, we're going to be there one day. We're going to be there literally, worshiping in his presence. We're going to see him in some way. We're going to comprehend him in a different way in our glorified bodies. Right? That's that's why you're doing what you do. Hopefully, you're not here out of tradition. We do that sometimes. That's what my people did before me, and that's what their people did before them, and so on and so forth. We just get to showing up out of tradition. You know, we check our Sunday box. Hopefully, as the songs we sung this morning uh, talked about, right, hopefully, we want to be with him. And if we don't deal with some stuff, we're not going to be with him. And that's the uncomfortable part, right? God knows whether we're growing, right? He, he knows all those things. You know, we, we, we tend to, you know, we have um, our protective mechanisms. You know, if somebody calls us on something, you know, we, we're very defensive. Don't judge me. That's your protective mechanism. That means I'm, I don't want to change what's happening. Or maybe what I'm facing is, is so difficult, right? That, that I don't want to deal with it, right? I, I don't know your motive. For goodness sake, I don't even know my own motive sometimes. God said that a heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God does. And God expects movement. He expects growth. He expects, you know, if, if, if heaven was this way, right? We need to be, or holdings, whatever you want to call it. We need to be moving in that direction. You, get, you have the right to move at your own pace, in a sense. You have to deal with things, but you need to be actively dealing with stuff. I'm going to preach my whole message almost right now, but anyway. I, I wanted to set this up, what I'm talking about here today, because I'm going to use a couple examples from Paul that are pretty stiff. And, and and where we live in this day and time that we live in, we would look at this, and I want you to picture it, how it's happening in the script. I want you to picture it in real life, how this would go down right here in New York. Some things we think, you know, Oh, the church doesn't do that anymore. Maybe because they haven't seen the church do that anymore. Nonetheless, it's in Scripture. And so we're going to look at a couple of examples. I'm going to pick up, um, and I'm not read, quite yet ready yet in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, but, you know, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he's dealing with a lot of things. He just starts out, he's dealing with, um, you know, he's talking to them about divisions in the body and, you know, who's, who's following who. And some say, you know, follow Paul and some say Apollos. And, you know, he's saying that's foolishness, right? You know, we're, we're both vessels for God. Like, you know, we, we all follow God. And, you know, he's talking to them about <clears throat> earthly wisdom and uh, versus the wisdom of God. And then he reminds them uh, that when he was with them, he had to speak to them as though they weren't spiritual folks. Like, y'all you, you were so messed up when I first came. Y'all were so carnal, in other words, that I couldn't even speak to you as spiritual. I had to speak to you, you know, as though you were still in the world or as as though you were babes. And and he talked to them about, you know, having to feed them with milk. And so he had to work with them where they are. And, you know, they weren't mature. Their sinful nature was very much still in control. And in chapter 4, he talks about how he and Apollos have been put in charge of explaining the God's mysteries. And he goes on to uh, get on them about comparing and competing. You know, things that happened. Now, I know around here, this might be foreign to some of y'all. Let me just say, Newark is not perfect. We got our issues. But in some places, in some churches, man, it's, it's crazy. The competing and the grabbing for power and position and, you know, all the different things that go on. And, and so, if you haven't experienced that here, great. Maybe you have here. You know, nonetheless, but he's talking to them about those things. he starts talking to them about how they've grown proud and arrogant. You know, thinking they have everything they need, and 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 that they're already rich, and you know, so it's funny. It's like this. You know, he's this 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 letter is like mounting. It starts off kind of pretty cool, and then he ups to annie and he ups to Annie, and and then it, the letter takes this turn, and basically Paul tells them that y'all gotten too big for your britches, thinking you know everything. So I'm going to pick up in chapter five, and I'm going to read uh, a good bit of this to you. Actually, I'm going to read to you chapter five snap and it takes a shift in five, and he starts dealing with something very specific. And in five one, he says, I also received the report of scandalous. I'm reading you from the message. So if it sounds like an unfamiliar virgin, you know this is my virgin, I love it. You know, but the message is plain talk, more like the language we use. So he says, I also received the report of scandalous sex within your church family, a kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with his stepmother. Oh, that's pretty strong, right? He said even the world don't operate like that. But there's somebody in your church who's literally sleeping with his stepmother. And you're so above it all that it doesn't even phase you. Shouldn't this break your hearts? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? So Paul is saying, why are y'all playing patty cake with this sin? talking to the church, what's going on here? I tell you what I would do, even though I'm not there in person, consider me right there with you, because I can fully see what's going on. I'm telling you that this is wrong. Okay, It shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that a man who claims to be a part of the body of the church sleeping with his stepmother is wrong. Right, Paul? So it's real plain. Okay, so I'm telling you that it's wrong. You must not simply look the other way and hope it goes away on its own. Bring it out to the open and deal with it in the authority of Jesus, your master or our master. Assemble the community. I'll be present in spirit with you and our master Jesus will be present in power. Hold this man's conduct up to public scrutiny. Let him defend it if he can, but if he can, then out with him. Those are strong words. It will be totally devastating to him, of course, and embarrassing to you. But better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. You want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. I thought that was a profound way of putting it. You want him on his feet. So in other words, Paul is saying here that for heaven's sake, hold this man accountable. Not to harm him, but to help him. Because if this man continues to conduct himself this way, he's not going to heaven. He's not going to make it. When he stands before that, before God on that day of judgment, it's not going to go well with him. And so here you see, you know, that that these hard things to do. Can you imagine the church getting that letter? Whoa. Do what? Think about that right now. If we knew that something as egregious as that. Now, don't get hung up on example, because we're going we talk about other things as well. But this, I'm going to use this as an example today. It's happening right here, and, and and God said, "Hey, you need to call that person out. You need to deal. That'd be very uncomfortable, right? Yeah, he said it. It, it would be devastating to him, but it's going to be embarrassing to you. It's it's hard for us. We get embarrassed to have to deal with somebody about their mess. Nonetheless, when it's all said and done." We want this man to be forgiven and saved. And unless something happens, then what reason will he have to change course? What, what reason would he have to do that at all? So, um, so, so, mind you, Paul is talking to the church. And the church is governed by a whole different set of rules. The church is not the world. You know, it's not a live and let live thing in here. And I mean, in here, I mean the church. I know these are sentiments of the world. We say these things, you know. Let people do their thing. You don't have no control over people, and this kind of thing, you know. And and so, but but when you and I enter into this covenant relationship with God, that included submission to the body. We 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 we're, we're 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 a family here. We're all governed by God's. Covenant by His laws, by His word, we're all governed by that same body, and that re- that includes mutual submission. I don't get to just do my thing, regardless of you. You don't get to just do your thing. It doesn't work like that. We're not islands into ourselves, and so we have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters. You know, you cease uh, to live for self once you become a part of this kingdom. I know you've heard it enough, you know, but this our American value system kind of works against that, right? We're this free country. We, you know, do you. But we have to fight about that. We're citizens of the kingdom. And as citizens of the kingdom, we have to hold one another accountable. You have to understand that the things you do, the decisions you make, they don't just affect you. They affect others. And what's at the core, what's at stake, is heaven. All right, so if I'm loving you, if I'm doing right by you, and you're living destructively, and you're doing things that are, you know, Contrary to God, and and you know, you're you basically going to have on lead boots when the rapture comes. That right? I'm not really loving you. You know, God puts it another way when he talks about, you know, whom, whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. It's not out of me trying to be some holy and mighty and getting your life in straight and getting you. It's not all that foolishness. But if I really love you, I'm going to call you up. That what you're doing, that behavior, that practice, whatever you're doing, it's going to take you out. We can't, Paul said, you can't just ignore things. You can't just turn a blind eye. He's talking to the body. He's talking to the church. You can't just turn a blind eye because this is the body. We have to deal with things. And so I know that this practice is particularly difficult because, you know, the church in general has suffered harsh criticism uh, for holding up standards. You know, there's folks that, you know, who they think they are. And if you, if you try to speak to someone, everybody gets in their feelings now. Don't come talking to me and who you think you are. You know, our defensive mechanism. I tell you something, you know, if I was to say, if I pull your coattail and say, hey, sis, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right? you know, a lot of times we get defensive, right? Who are you? And we want to call that person sent out. You ever seen people do that? I saw you. And, and, and so, yeah, we all need to do a good job of getting our own stuff together. It is a little difficult to call somebody on their stuff when your stuff is raggedy. But again, we're not going to be perfect until we get there. We all are going to battle sin. You know that? right? So I'm not talking about some unreasonable expectation, but battling sin and making peace with sin are two different things. They're two different things. Remember I talked about we should be moving consistently in the right direction. And so it makes it extra difficult because we live in this, you know, a time again where the church is taking such a, you know, a whipping, if you will, about taking stances and who do we think we are and, you know, all those kind of things, but, you know, that we think we're God's people. That's who we think we are. We think we're a people who are governed by God's word. That's who we think we are, right? God calls us to be holy like he's holy. That's who we think we are. He calls us to hold one another accountable to, to, to help one another, to mean well for one another, right? It, it, you know, it would break my heart if it were possible, I know that God says that when we get to heaven, there'll be, there'll be no no heartache and no shame, no no pain and those kind of things. But but if I could, if I got to heaven and and, and I and I looked around and you guys weren't there, I'm gonna break my heart. And vice versa. I mean, my my point is, I don't just want for me; I want for you. And so we all gotta do the hard thing sometime and call one another up, which means call one another out at times. And so Paul goes on to say in, in verse 6, he goes, your flip and callous arrogance in these things bothers me. In other words, this big thing is happening. You guys are acting, you know, you're, you're just walking around like it's not, no big deal. That bothers me. He so said, you pass it off as a small thing, but it's anything but that. Yeast too is a small thing, but it works its way through the whole batch of bread, uh, dough, Bread dough pretty fast, so get rid of this yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain, not puffed up with the wrong kind of ingredient. The Messiah, our Passover lamb, has already been sacrificed for the Passover meal, and we are the unraised bread, part of that feast. So let's live out our part in the feast, not as raised, swollen, uh, not as bread swollen with yeast of evil, but as flat bread. Simple, genuine, and unpretentious. So if you didn't understand all that, just hang on to that part. This is how we're supposed to live it out. Simple, genuine, and unpretentious. God said, Paul said it's not complicated. When I'm genuine towards you, that means I got to be real with you sometimes. You know, if I see you live in some kind of way, you fill in the blank. I can't always just smile and say, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's great." You know how it gets when you're getting comfortable and you see and sometimes you don't you don't have relationship enough with people that you feel that it's okay to speak to them about this thing. That's why it's important to have relationships with people. That's why I believe God references this body uh as a family. It is hard to speak when you have no relationship. You know, we talk about being vulnerable and, and, and making ourselves known to each other and, and, and building community. And that small groups, for example, are that great little family, that little nucleus of the bigger family that, that we should be getting to know one another. Right? This is not just some, this is, you know, we're not just showing up here. We're not just going through the motions of Christianity. God calls us to be authentically his people. And that includes these things. Verse 9 says, I wrote to you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among, sexu- among the sexually promiscuous. I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort or with criminals, whether blue or white collar. Or with spiritual phonies, for that matter. You'd have to leave this world entirely to do that. So Paul is not saying we're not living in some unrealistic. We know that we're going to be dealing with people who are, you know, um, if Okay. If you are not in the church and you're just coming in, you're going to come with baggage, right? You're going to come a mess. I came a mess. Steve put me on blast with that last week when he was preaching. You know, I was a hot mess. Some of you will define yourself the same. You expect that of me, right? If I'm if I'm new here, you expect me to be a mess. Okay, Paul's saying you have to leave this world not to deal with people like that, right? If you're out here in, in, in the community and, and you are... Um, as, as Joyce was talking about today in her just the face, if you're if you're uh, serving in the community, right, you're gonna be dealing with all kinds of people. You expect that of babes, you expect that of the world, right? That's why God's called us to to serve. That's why God has called us to reach, to be witnesses, and all those different things. But when it comes to the body, uh-uh, uh-uh, we need to have our stuff together or we'll be in process of getting our stuff together. Okay, I know salvation is a process. You we we can't come up in here and just park on sin and say, I'm I'm gonna practice sin until heaven comes. You know, this morning we're talking about I will sing of your glory, right? We can't we can't wait to be in God's presence and all that. Well, how are we gonna get there if we are practicing sin? You know what I mean by practicing sin? You are embracing it. You're not fighting it, you're not dealing with it, you're not allowing somebody to speak to you or be spoken, you know, you're not you're not actively working your way out of that but you just made peace with that well I'm I'm definitely not being genuine to you if I see that and I don't out of love maybe have a word with you and how this is done I I don't even know I mean I don't know Paul jumped straight to call him out in the church I'm like whoo, you know (laughs) you know I, I I read this and I was thinking about our conflict lessons from series from years ago you know how God talked about you know you go this is a conflict this is conflict you know you don't maybe not think of it that way, but sometimes you know it's that it's that one on one. You know, you ever had somebody talk to you one on one and it and it mattered it, it, you knew that they they were genuine towards you, you knew that they meant well towards you and it mattered. You know, I I I, I don't want to keep telling, I know I tell my stories over and over again, but they come to heart. You know, I, I had a cracking uncle who called me out. I did. He was a heroin addict, crackhead. He was, I'm serious. He was, right. And he called me out one day, my teen years. I, I was in the height of Buck Wildness. And that uncle, anybody ever know somebody? I'm not, I'm just, I'm just being, my point is, he was somebody I could dismiss. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down on somebody who has a struggle and that kind of thing. But he was, he was, he, I could have easily told him to get out of my face. And I did tell him to get out of my face. But his words hung. He saw me in a self-destructive mode. And see, sometimes the people that you think don't have a place to tell you something are the very people that do have the place to tell you something, because they know what that road is like. So don't be so quick to dismiss somebody who ain't in the right place, you know, with the who you think you are. They somebody who have been down that road and therefore they can spot the road that you are heading down. And that's why they can call you out for your good. His motive was right. He saw his idiot niece, who thought I knew everything. You know, I was an arrogant little somebody. You know, you couldn't tell me nothing, and I was just feeling my wild oaks, and I was young and, you know, and and, and just doing me. And so, yeah. He struggled. He already knew my mouth. He already knew my attitude. He already knew he was gonna take a tongue lashing. Even when I was young, you couldn't compete with this mouth. I got it from my mama. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that mama. She might, she might be like, mama, don't be mad. All right? I got it honest. You didn't want to get into an argument with my mama. You couldn't win. The women in my family have got that honest. You can't win. So even at, I don't know, 18, 19, he already knew. This man was double my age. He was no match for me verbally. And he had no standing because he was a drug addict. And so when he spoke those words to me in love, Nisi, please don't go down that road. You're not that kind of girl. Oh, you talk about embarrassed. It wasn't nobody there but the two of us. But I was embarrassed. And I was hurt. You know, all those crazy things that you that you feel when you when somebody, you know. But I heard his heart. I respected his courage. And I still told him, get out of my face. Who you think he's talking to? But he said his piece. And he walked off. And guess what? Nisi straightened up. His words had effect. If I'm looking like that to him, Lord, it's all time low. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm like, whoa, this is, you're really tripping. His words mattered though. They were hard. They were difficult for him to, to deliver. They were hard for me, for me to receive, but they impacted me. So sometimes we got to muster that courage for the love of our brother or sister. And we got to say the thing that's hard to say, but it's for their benefit. The church can't just, we can't turn a blind eye, as Paul said. We can't just walk around like these things aren't happening. Right? If I want you to make it to heaven with me, if I want your life to be better, sometime I got I to call you up. I got to hold you accountable to what you say you signed up for. When you entered this covenant relationship with God, there was a whole, there was, there was a, if you, if you do, I will do. Right. Some of you longing to be blessed, but you're holding up your own blessing because you're not holding up your side of the covenant. So this, at the end of that last verse, when Paul says that, you know, you need to clean house. Right, If it comes down to it, people don't want to clean it out, they got to go. You talked about that yeast, right? Yeast, is in, yeast doesn't just stay in its place. Some of you bakers in here know that. If you stick it in the dough right here, it don't just stay in the dough right here. It permeates the whole everything. When you leave things unchecked, when you leave, it festers. So it, it, it eventually doesn't just deal with that person who's partaking of it. It affects the body. So Paul is saying, look, the church is a community. This is the church. And we're bound together by God's word and his spirit a people made holy by his blood. We are all looking to escape the bondage of sin. Right? That's what that's what you're saying by being here. That's what I'm saying to you. Right? Every one of you here are looking to escape something or to continue this. I know I was. I knew the way I was living wasn't, wasn't going to get me in the right place with God. So, so if that's the case, then why wouldn't I help you do that? Right? We want a blessed life. We want the life that God has promised. And so, you know, how dare we, you know, Bring what God delivers us from into the body and make peace with it. Right then, weren't you escaping something? Don't you have to tell me what you were escaping something when you repented of your sin? You were acknowledging and you were escaping something. Right when you went down to those waters of baptism, you were saying, "I want to be made new." When you took on that spirit, right? That was the rebirth and and the empowering. When you you did all those things for a reason, not just to sit here until the end comes and hope for the best. You had you had a trajectory in mind when you signed up to be with God. You wanted to be with him. As the song said, you wanted the, your home to eventually be heaven. You wanted a blessed life now. You were you were planning on a different life. So why would you embrace the life you had but yet say you're part of the kingdom? It doesn't work that way. Right? You got to swing both legs over the fence. You can't live for God straddling that fence. You can't live for God partially in the world and, and, and going through the motions. He doesn't, he doesn't accept that. And so we got to help. We have an obligation to, to help one another. We really, really do. You know, practicing sin is going. literally will take us out. And I know as I say it, practicing, I'm, I'm trying to make that distinction. Right? We all sin. We know that. Don't keep using that as an excuse. We do know that. We're going to battle it until the day we leave this earth. But you're going to have to battle it until the day you leave it, not make peace with it. And yes, we're going to have to do the hard thing of helping one another come out of it. When I see you stuck, when I see you going around, you know, I might have to, I might have to call you. Don't, don't Nobody get along when I call you during the week about something. You say, oh man, here she come calling me. Uh, I don't mean. But my, you get my point. We have to help each other in order for this to be a healthy environment for new people to come into, for us to grow, if the church is looking exactly like the world, what's the use? What are we doing here? How are new people going to come in and see what it's, what it's like to be a part of the kingdom? How are they going to come in and see what God can do in people's lives? How are they going to come in if we all just looking the same as we were, behaving the same as we did, partaking of the same things? If there's no transformation? Because God wants to transform each and every one of you, but you have some say in that. You have a part in that transformation process. You can shut God down. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but you can shut him down. This is not the same, but there were places that God went to minister and the people had no faith at all. He said, I can't do no work here. they ain't no faith, nothing to work from. Right? You can tell God no, and he'll leave you sitting in your stool. You have to give God permission. You got to give him. You can give him permission. Work on me, God, and I know that's scary because God does drastic stuff sometimes. And sometimes we're like, "Man, what is God going to have to do to me to get me where He wants me to be?" And sometimes we dread that process. But you got to go through that process. Heaven's at stake. You've got to go through it. You've got to deal with the hard stuff. You're never going to know how beautiful it is to live for God. You're never going to know the joy of being his kingdom. You're never going to know the fullness of God's blessing unless you te- let God take you through the process. You have to let him. And this body, as a body, we have to hold each other accountable. We have to help you. You have to help me. I'm not exempt. The pastors are not exempt. We're all on the same journey trying to make it. So if we don't help each other, right? We're going to be lost if you're not committed to the process. You're going to be lost, and not only that, but as we read in the, in the story and Paul talking about the yeast, you, what you're doing affects others. People watch people. Do you know that? Some of you are saying, "Yep," because I do. <laughs> A lot of us are people watchers. Well, if you have children, you understand that children watch what the, their siblings get away with. And they take their cue from that. Oh, dad didn't check him on that? Oh, that means I can do it too. Oh, mom saw that? Johnny do this and she didn't deal. Oh, that means I can do it too. So sometimes we give license with our silence for for, for sin to run amok. That's why Paul said you got to nip it in the bud. You got to deal with that. So I know at Newark, we are committed to letting people grow, right? We want this to be an environment where everybody can grow. People are not uh, shunned or, you know, uh, shamed or any of those kind of things, right? You have room to grow. But that doesn't mean there's not a standard here, right? This church is working hard. To live biblically, to operate in a way that's in, that's in accordance with the scriptures, we're working hard, but don't take the silence as permission. And maybe we got to do better. We have to do better. Got to be growing. We got to be helping one another. We got to hold each other accountable, right? So, there's your sin doesn't just stay with you; it affects others. Got to be mindful of that. God said, "Not not up in here." You know, this particular sin that Paul uh, talked about with this, you know, this man is sleeping with his brother-in-law. I mean, uh, his mother-in-law was one thing, but, you know, he goes on toward the end of that. He goes, yeah, let's let's talk about those who are crooked and flip with God or rude or or those that get drunk or greedy or predatory. He talked to, So don't just think it's that, oh, it's that just sexual sin. No, there's lots of other things that affect the body. There's lots of, there's other sins that affect you. So don't get caught up in that example. He talks, he's talking about, you know, sin in general, us practicing sin, making people, no, we got a deal. We gotta help one another. I'll give you one other example from Galatians, where Paul had to deal with, with, with something pretty pretty roughly. Galatians 2, and Paul is coming to Antioch. And he, and he and he he has to get in Peter's face about something. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, sorry, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he was uh, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. So Peter was front. Right? Before there were other Jews around, he was eating with the Gentiles. I ain't know people like that. Rubbing shoulders, but I'm having a good old time. But when but but when James showed up, he wanted to get new. Okay. As a result, the other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led away. Uh, by their hypocrisy, and so here Peter was saying one thing, living a different way, and he was. And here, here you see leaders to leaders had to hold each other accountable. Yeah, Peter, I had to call him out to his face, and and he and he called him out kind of in front of people. Here is the way, the way I read this story. He said, "When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others." Right, so. In front of everybody, can you imagine me and Peter getting called out that way? Yeah, since you, a Jew, by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentile um, Gentiles follow the Jewish tradition? So he had to call Peter out. How many ever heard when you do something publicly, when you do something wrong publicly, you got to get called out publicly? You know, you don't get to make big, big, bombastic errors like that in public and then somebody speak to you in private. Paul, Paul was dealing with something, though. Just in case somebody wants to follow Peter's lead, let me tell you how he was wrong. He was dealing with the yeast, the potential of the yeast, and, and this and this hypocrisy being you know spread throughout the body. And so here's some examples of Peter wasn't Paul wasn't trying to hurt Peter. Peter, you're wrong, though. You need to get that together. And not only are, are you wrong, but you've presented a poor example to these other Jewish believers here. You're causing problems. And so here you see a couple of I call them kind of bombastic examples where Paul said, you know, throw this man out. You know, I think there's some steps that can be taken before you have to throw somebody out. I don't have time to give you an exhaustive Bible study this morning, <laughs> but sometimes it comes to that. And that's the kind of things that we don't think about today in the church that people, that, that the church is actually supposed to do that. You can't throw nobody out of the church. You know, you, you tell people tell you off about that kind of thing, but, but here you see an example. When somebody won't turn around, you speak to them and you work with them and you and they won't turn around. And they're calling, you know, other words in the Bible talk about, about schisms and, and problems in the body and 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 right, yeah. Got to go. You got to get out of here with that. Why? So hopefully you go out there and you hit it. That's what my mama used to say. That means you know, you 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 realize the ramifications of your or your, or your issue, with it. and hopefully they turn around. And as Paul said, on that when that day comes, they're on their feet and forgiven before God. Not to hurt a person. It's never to hurt someone, but this is the body. This is God's kingdom. We're a holy people. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to call each other up. I want to make it to heaven. If you see me living foul and you see me living ungodly, please pull my coat. Hey, Sister Lil, you wrong on that one. Call me out. I want to go to heaven. And you say, "Mm, I mean it. I want to go to heaven. I want the opportunity. Sometimes we do things ignorantly. Right? We're all at different levels of discipleship here in maturity. Sometimes we do things ignorantly. I want you to tell me. And we have to be willing to do the hard thing to tell one another. Heaven's at stake. You know, this is not just some, if you don't get it right thing, you know, oh well. No, heaven's at stake. We got to hold each other accountable. I've had a couple of those hard conversations. Yeah, it was was hard for me to even say. But if I love you, but if you love your brothers and sisters, we got to do what we got to do. Always speak the truth in love. Paul also said that. Always speak the truth in love. If your motive ain't right, keep your mouth shut. You're going to hurt somebody. Seriously. If your motive is not right, keep your mouth shut. You're going to do more harm than good. But if your motive is right, you gotta do the hard things. Again, I'm assuming we all want to make it to heaven. I'm assuming we all want to make it to heaven. We need to build those honest and genuine relationships with one another, right? We need to do, we need to be what God called us to be. I don't know about you, but I want this community that we're in saved. I know that, you know, we're on the internet now. The community means a whole different kind of thing there. But, you know, I want these pews filled. I want, I want God's work to be done. I want us to expand and at the thing. I want us to have campuses all over everywhere. Right? I want to be that many people. But the church has to then hold up a standard. How are they going to know? As Joyce said this morning, we're extensions of his body. How dare we say we belong to him and then we live any kind of way? You know, Connie Bernard was here many years ago, and I remember her talking about, she used the phrase, you know, is your lifestyle, is it is it confusing or is it confirming? The church has to give a very clear standard, live a very clear way. And it's okay. God can do things in your life you don't think he can do. There are things you think right now you might dread about being a part of the God. Hey, when I was a kid, I thought, man, I'm gonna serve God when I get old because some people don't have no fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna wait until I get old to serve God because you know, again, you know, I'll just be bored. And I, it won't matter. Let me tell you something I've never had more joy in my life, and I've lived in the church and I've lived out of the church, and there's no better place than in the body of Christ. <laughs> so, the thing that you're dreading, one day you will cherish, but you got to give it a chance. Yes, God is going to require some things of you. He requires some things of all of us. Come out from among them, right? Be holy for I am holy. God absolutely requires of us. But don't keep closing your eyes to those things and just, again, hoping for the best. Commit to God. Make some connections. You got something you're struggling with, you know, grab somebody and say, I need some help with this. I want to be saved. I want to get this thing right. I want to please God. Move from a place of complacency to actively engaging with God so he can help you. He will literally transform your life. When people act proper around me, it cracks me up. Doesn't happen that much, but it happens. Sometimes, you know, they, they think I think I'm something. Or they think, you know, they see the cleaned up little. And they said, oh, I better not do that around here because she cleaned up. Child, you should have seen me before. I can't judge nobody. You know what I'm trying to say? Right? But I'm talking about the transformation power of God, right? You would be surprised what God can do with you if you give him a chance. If you give him a chance. You, this joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, I can't live like them people. I thought that. I can't live like, now I am them people, right? <laughs> right? And it's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. I get it. The, that, that whole butterfly thing, you know, the metamorphosis and that in-between stage can be real ugly. It's the truth. When you're not yet, you're not the caterpillar, but you're not quite the butterfly yet. That that whole in it's like, ugh, have you ever seen that stage? It's nasty looking. Your, your life might look like that for a while. Quite honestly, you coming out of some stuff. You and God got some work to do. It might look like that for a while, but look forward to the butterfly. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep pressing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, you Get my point? Look forward to the transformation. God can do it, and this body is here to help. We are here to help one another, never to condemn, never to judge in the wrong way. The way we use judgment. Right? That, 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 that scripture that I read to you, Paul said, we don't judge the world. That's not the church's responsibility. But our church, but the church's responsibility is to judge the church. It's in there. We're to hold each other accountable. Not to our own standard, but by the word of the by the word of the Lord. We hold each other accountable. You say you belong to the body, you say you belong to Christ, then you should be living like this. Right? You say you belong to God and you're doing that. And not only are you doing that, but you're okay with doing that. You've embraced that. Uh-uh, not up in here. Paul said, got to go. If you want to hold on to your sin, you need to get on out of here. Right? This church is not going to placate. This church is not going to patty-cake that. And you certainly are not going to influence other people in the wrong way. Got to go. There's a many older sibling in my house that got tossed out because they had the attitude. My mama saw. We can all write. I'm, I'm trying to give you some analogy how you can how you understand that. My mama saw the impact that my older siblings were going to have on the younger siblings. And said, Hit the door. Either you're going to change that behavior or you got to go. Now, if you want to do right, come on back. We can work. But if you're bent on doing wrong, go somewhere else and do that. Those are the kind of things we don't like to stay in the church. But go read those scriptures. Go read Corinthians. How many of you want to? I mean, you want to be saved? We're going to commit to one another. Right? We're going to go. I want you to take this message of prayer. This altar open. Caleb, you can come or whoever's on the music. Right? It's okay not to be all right. But it's not okay to be okay with that. It's not okay to make peace with that. And body, it is okay. To minister to one another, to help one another, to call each other up. And if you're that person that don't know anybody to talk to you, you a hot head. You know you're not teachable, right? That's a problem. You need to take that to God. This is the community. If you that really, I'm seriously, because it's it's going to hinder your own growth. It's going to hinder hinder your own relationship with God. It's going to hinder your your relationship with the body. If you're that person, can't nobody talk to you get out my face I know everything you if you're the old Lil you have a problem somebody comes to speak to you and you don't like what they're saying you know thank them and go home and pray about it trust that their intent was right go home and pray about it some of you are like me you don't do you don't do well on the on the immediate you get all in your feelings right there on the, on the spot. Try to refrain from snapping at your brother or sister who means you well. Go home and talk to God about it. And have a little talk with Jesus. Let God minister to you about that thing that maybe your, your brother or sister talked to you about. You see it in His Word, commit to it. I know some things that we're dealing with seem like they just, it's impossible for you to ever be free of them. Maybe it is addiction. Maybe there's some past thing, something you have dealt with for a long time. Maybe it seems impossible. But we serve the God that through him all things are possible. You're not coming to some psychologist, some human being. You're not coming to somebody with limited ability and resource. You're coming to the God who can do all things. Only you can make it impossible. Only you can make it impossible by telling God, don't touch that. Or no, you can't. God's saying, yes, I can. Give it to me. I want to transform you. Somebody, I just want to remind you today that we do have a responsibility to each other. We're brothers and sisters. Right? We're one in Christ. We should want each other to be better. We should want each other to be healthy. We should want each other to be thriving in God's kingdom. That whole body illustration deal, man. when that toe is rotten. You ever seen, but when you, you know when a toe is messed up, you know we talk about things like gangrene. It don't just stay in one place, right? It spreads, or it hurts. My point is, not only you are affected, but this body is affected when you're not at your at your best in Christ. So let's you know, talk to Jesus about it. I, I've done my very best today to share where I believe God left. Laid on my heart. but Talk to Jesus about it. Right? If anything, you say, nah, since they don't know about that. Talk to God about it. Go to his word about it. This altar's open. Your pew is open. Whatever. Wherever it is that you want to pray, come and spend a little time with Jesus. We're one body. We love one another. I love you guys. I hope you want me in heaven. I certainly want you there. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, help us, oh, God, do the hard things, Lord Jesus. To genuinely love one another, oh, God, to help one another, oh, God, through this life. To help one another grow, oh, God. And to thrive and flourish in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us to remember, while we signed up for your kingdom, Lord Jesus, while we entered into this relationship with you, God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us this great salvation, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to embrace it, oh God, to continue to come out and to move forward to you, Lord Jesus, in your ways, oh God. Oh, God, help us, oh God, with those things. Oh, God, those sinful things, Lord Jesus, that we haven't been able to shake, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God. Set us at liberty, Lord Jesus. God, we give them to you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we know that you can do all things, Lord Jesus. Oh God, that you're the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord Jesus. And as long as we hang in there with you, you hang in there with us, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do your work in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Help us to love one another, Lord Jesus. Not just in word, oh God. So call each other up, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we submit to you, Lord. To your will, Lord Jesus. To this body, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Help us to be a people of God. It pleases you, Lord Jesus. A light on the hilltop, oh God. Oh, people that bring you honor, Lord Jesus. Come. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Yes, hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, help her to honor our commitment, Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. hope you receive this word as encouragement. And I don't know about you, but there's another thing about making big changes that excites me. You know, I'm, I'm a, I like to rearrange furniture. You come to my house, you, you might see it a different way every time. I don't do it as much as I used to because I'm just, I don't have the strength that I used to have. But in that rearranging of things, and in that process, you know, again, it gets all messy in the middle of it. But then you look forward to the outcome. Please, please engage in the process. The outcome is awesome. It really is the one in this life and the one for eternity. Every choice you make has eternal consequences for the good or for the bad. Please engage in the process. God wants to bless us. Well, I think that's
1: enough. Sure. As you all know, in this transition, I am very intentionally stepping back. But this morning, for those of you that are elders, this is not news to you. But to those of you that are newer, I want you to recognize something today. um my children tell me that there is even as adults and all but one of the, of them is an adult even as adults there's a tone that when mom or dad and it tends to be more dad than mom but when that tone comes across they recognize certain mode. Now, within the life of a church, a pastor, an elder, is not the parent of the church. We are not children, and whoever's in the pulpit is the parent. We only serve one head, right? His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who is supreme. But there does come, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians, that God gave gifts to the church. He gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave pastors, and he gave teachers. And the reason that he gave those, these different operations, if you will, of how he uses people, is to equip the saints... For the work of the ministry, to build up, let's adapt it, to pull up the body of Christ. And he goes on in verse 13, we don't normally read this part, we normally just do 11 and 12, but 13 says, all of that's going to operate until, that means there's a process, until We all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. A mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. No longer being children. Tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. We will in all things be pulled up into Christ, who is the head. From him, the whole body grows fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. Now, many of you have heard me. Those of you that are newer may not have. I have two passages of Scripture that have served me well. I don't think they're the only passages. But there are two passages of Scripture that have defined my role as an elder or as a pastor. And the reason I keep saying elder or pastor is, as I've taught you, and I want to say it again, pastor is only found in the one passage I read to you. Elder is what is used much more frequently, and it's used in the plural. One is Peter, and you all have heard me cite this many, many times. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. And as a pastor, as an elder, that has been my job description. But there's another one that I don't always cite. It comes out of the Old Testament. It comes out of Ezekiel, in which God gives instruction. It's the prophetic role of the pastor. It's that tone. When I give you a word, the Lord said to Ezekiel, and you warn them, and they listen, then they will be saved. When I give you a word, and you tell them, and they don't listen, you will be saved. But if I give you a word and you don't tell them, you will answer to me for that word that I gave you. This is many times talked about by us as the watchman on the wall. If every sermon that crosses this pulpit is a watchman on the wall, we're out of balance. We have a gospel of hope. We have a gospel of reconciliation. We have a gospel of forgiveness. But I smiled today. Those of you that are elders, you already recognized it. Those of you that are new, that's why I'm standing here. You just heard the voice, the tone of a pastor. And it wasn't me. And just as in years past, you have listened to that voice of the pastor. I encourage you, listen to the voice of one of your pastors today. Because God spoke to us today. Like I said, if every time we bring the message to you, it is this tone, then we're out of balance but oh when the lord needs to bring correction remember what he said don't despise it and remember whom i love i correct even as a child in whom i delight thank you jesus for a pastor's voice today can you join me in thanking i sat in the pew can you thank me can you join me in thanking jesus for a pastor's voice today Thank you, Jesus, for bringing your voice to us, Lord. God, you used the human, and we thank you, Lord, that we can hear that tone. We can hear that correction. We can hear that clarity, and we thank you for loving us because you're loving us today. You are not correcting those in whom you despise. You're correcting those in whom you delight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, all those of you that have been around, forgive me. That took me an extra five minutes, and you all already knew it. But to those of you that are new, I just want you to not be ignorant, brethren. You heard the voice of a pastor, you heard the voice of an elder, you heard the watchman on the wall. And when that voice comes, do exactly as she told you to do. Don't get all in your feelings, go pray about it. And God will give you the step-by-step process to be obedient, amen? Now you're dismissed.